Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bounties and Blasters. I am your host, Brad. And I'm your other host, Madison, and this is a Friends of the Force and Doing Talking crossover series covering all things The Mandalorian. Each week, we host an in-depth discussion around the newest episodes on Disney+, and this time around, we're taking a trip down memory lane and discussing the entirety of the first season of The Mandalorian. So we have all eight episodes. They are out for your binging pleasure. I just started going through my binge today, got through about three and a half episodes. Very, very good when you watch them back to back. And it's also filling my post uh, Mandalorian withdrawals that I'm having because I I realize my life without Baby Yoda each week is just not the same. It really isn't. It's so sad waking up on Fridays now and you're like, time for the Mandalorian. Wait, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what am I supposed to do with my mornings? Yeah, I, I would sleep a little longer, but what's the fun in that? <laughs> We're just going to have to watch it over and over again, like it's brand mm-hmm. new, each Friday until the new season comes out. Well, Madison, I want to tell you, Happy New Year. I believe this is our first episode for Bounties and Blasters in the new decade. Happy so, New Year. <laughs> no pressure. We got to start the decade off right because we know that this show is going to go for like 20 seasons, obviously. And yeah, uh, obviously we're going to be there along the ride. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so I, I am super stoked to be back talking about this. I've, I've missed these discussions and I, I'm just very, very excited. But how have you been? How is how is the doing talking pod doing? It's doing good. You know, it's kind of a time of recovery, a time of reflection. <laughs> <laughs> it is there is a lot of discussion to be had right now in the in the star wars fandom but we are here simply to bring you all the the fun of the mandalorian and really just have a good time so if you need a moment to just get away from the the discourse and just have some fun this is the place to be let me tell you because we're going to have a lot of fun today on the show yes we're going to be talking about some news we'll be talking about how disney plus has been working overall impressions of the first season, some of the big questions that we have after season one, and we're going to be introducing the first annual Mando Globe Awards. It's awards season, Madison. It's season with S-Z-N. That's how you spell it when it's awards season. And I am so excited. It's going to be fun. I'm wearing like a nice blazer and like a bow tie, black bow tie. I got, I'm all like glamored up for this award show. Yeah, I'm wearing uh, Ralph Lauren today. <laughs> Thought it was appropriate for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> I really, you know, I don't get that many nights during the year to really like spruce myself up this way. And if I got to be looking good for Baby Yoda on the red carpet, really got to show up and, and kind of just jaw drop him, honestly, because uh, he's my best friend. So. Yeah, I mean, Baby Yoda's look is the one I'm most excited to see tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what would Baby Yoda wear to an award show? A very nice three-piece suit i think <laughs> i think so i maybe like a top hat and a monocle like maybe he would like really try for like the nice like one percenter look and just kind of show up with cufflinks and yeah or it, maybe he would want to be like his dad and wear a matching suit of beskar <laughs> yeah the mandalorian would definitely just stick with the beskar he's like no no way i'm wearing anything other than the beskar or would he wear a suit but keep the mask on that would be really funny. <laughs> wow. I think that's that's a possibility. I'll go, would it be I'll like go a silver draw that. Suit? There will be official fan art of this. Yeah, I think now we have to do it. <laughs> we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, we will. 
But we're starting today's episode with some news. So the first thing up front, speaking of Baby Yoda, um, we keep calling him Baby Yoda, Madison, but Baby might have a name coming up soon. It was first hinted at by Gina Carano on Twitter when she actually, somebody asked her on Twitter, how was it learning you would be Yoda's first force choke victim? And Gina said, I'm going to tell you something just between us. I legitimately passed out twice while shooting that scene. So, yeah, it was pretty great. That little one's force choke is no joke. And I thought that was so funny. I'm like, I cannot believe Gina is putting so much effort into her acting that she's literally passing out on set. Like, (laughs) oh, my God, (laughs) that's brutal. I love that she's just like honored to be force choked by Baby Yoda. (laughs) Yeah. And she mentioned that she came to while she was seated and Mando and Kuil were waiting for her to say something because they didn't know that she went out and then it happened again. <laughs> oh my gosh, Gina, take care of yourself, please. Come on. <laughs> imagine just her, imagine yourself on set passing out and you wake up and you're so disoriented and you just see a Mandalorian and a little alien creature staring at you from above and they're like, and- are you okay? And you're like, where am I right now? And you think you're actually in Star Wars for a minute? right this baby yoda account which isn't an official account but it's a fan account replied sorry i am my bad that was or i can be like sorry i am can't do it i'm not gonna try (laughs) and gina said it's okay i know your real name and she did a little uh, emoji with a heart kissing and she says going to have to change your account you are and baby yoda replied know my real name i do too prefer baby yoda i do and then gina replied with a kylo ren gift that said we'll see Honestly, I was so proud that she used the Kylo gif, like, right. on brand. She's a closeted Kylo stan. We all know it. Yeah, and then she Baby totally Yoda is. said, the best you are, Gina. Grab a blue milk sometime, we should. And then Gina <laughs> just did a bunch of laughing emojis. So this is, like, the purest of interactions, honestly. I was super excited about this. But obviously, the the big elephant in the room for this, this thread is a real name for Baby Yoda. And at the Golden Globes, Taika... Taika Waititi, who played IG-11 and directed the season finale, doubled down and said that his name is not Baby Yoda and that he's just waiting for John Favreau to reveal the name because the name is known and it's official and it's out there in some sort of script locked in a vault at Disney. And Taika jokingly went on Twitter and said, I think it's Nigel. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be opposed to Nigel. <laughs> like Nigel Thornberry, like represent, you know, like Nigel Thornberry stands out there. It's cool. I'd be okay with it. I have no clue what his name is going to be, but I think it's just going to be something that's casually revealed in season two, like, because Mando has to give him a name, right? He has to come up with something. So I think he's just going to casually be like, whatever Baby Yoda's name is, like in the first episode of season two. That's my prediction. If you had to throw a name out there, like, what would be your best guess? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yodel. That's close to mine. I was going to say Yiddle. Like little. I just made a weird blend of Yoda and Yaddle. And no, I do not want <laughs> baby Yoda to be the child of Yoda. Please, no. <laughs> right. Because I think that was the other piece I saw somewhere online, which John Favreau, somebody asked him if Yoda, baby Yoda is related to Yoda. And he said, I can't say. And I'm like, please, for the love of God, don't do that. <laughs> please. Like, he don't doesn't... make the universe smaller. He stands well enough on his own. Yeah, and I think he's probably just teasing, obviously, because any sort of conversation about the show is, if you're keeping it alive somehow, even if you're 
in some respect, John Favreau is kind of like stirring the pot by saying that, but mm-hmm. in a way that he knows people will keep talking about the show, even though he knows he's not related to Baby Yoda, which I'm like pretty firmly aware, firmly sure that he's not, especially because Yoda thought he was the last of of his species. But unless there's some weird thing where all the Yodas are related to each other, I don't know how they're breeding process works or what that looks like i'd prefer not to think about it <laughs> me neither honestly uh so <laughs> yeah i mean one of the most like fun things to do with star wars is to speculate so i don't think they want to shut down any kind of speculation about what to be in season two at this point mm-hmm. yeah i would agree with that so I'm, I'm really excited do you think we'll find out his name in season two or is it gonna be i mean we don't know if the show is renewed for season three yet so would, could this be like a season two finale reveal you know, are we going towards a direction of he's getting dropped off back with his mom and dad on their planet? And we're going to find out, like, you know, the name of the species, the name of the home world, the name of Baby Yoda. It's kind of just all going to hit us with a huge emotional blast right in the final episode of, of season two. But at the same time, it means that we'd have to say goodbye to Baby Yoda. Again, like sometimes I like it when things are built up in the audience's mind as a really dramatic, huge deal. And then I would I would love it if they just casually revealed it in like episode one. Yeah. (laughs) Just casually having the Mandalorian call him by his name that he has come up with for him. I would love Mm -hmm. that. About George. George. Curious George, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Feels appropriate. Somebody draw that, please. I want a Curious George Mandalorian crossover. For George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Baby Yoda and Curious George would get along. Like they could be little buddies, like going to the playground, like having fun, swinging on the swinging on the bars. Like Baby Yoda could be levitating Curious George. Could be a good time. Yeah. Or yeah. what if they named him Oz for Frank Oz? Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> I would be I would be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, time will tell. We we will find out soon enough. So, Madison, did you want to lead us into our next news story here? Yeah. So, according to Deadline, next season of The Mandalorian, there's going to be some established characters from the Skywalker's saga films showing up. So, my question is, who is it going to be, Brad? Who from the Skywalker saga could show up in season two? Let me tell you, Madison. It's Sebulba. Last time we saw him, he was pod racing, it broke apart, and then he yelled the word Hojo or something like that on on Tatooine, (laughs) and we were always wondering who that mysterious figure is at the end of chapter five, and it's obviously Sebulba. He is back with a vengeance. He is looking for (laughs) any trace of Anakin Skywalker to get revenge. He doesn't know he's dead yet. He just, he wants it, and then that's how he's, that's how they're going to integrate him back into the show. I'm just saying. So. It's Sebulba on stilts. Yes. Like, uh-huh. He's <laughs> like, a lot since the last time we've seen him. It's going to be like Rio and Solo where he's like <laughs> pretending to be a stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> no. Real talk though, it is Boba Fett. Like I'm pretty convinced Boba Fett's going to be in, in the show somehow. Mm-hmm. I know I've heard some people say that would really ruin the show to reintroduce Boba Fett and it's like retreading over the character and can maybe confuses the general audience because if they've kind of been following Din Djarin for this time and they're kind of at this point disassociated the Mandalorian and Boba Fett and now like the general audience understands like Mandalorian culture a little more and understands that there's like more than just Boba Fett out there it might confuse people maybe but mm-hmm. I don't think it would I would think if they're reintegrating him to the story in a smart way I wouldn't 
think that's too difficult. But I mean, it's uh, that's the only like logical Skywalker saga character established character that I I could think of. But they also says here insiders are hinting at several established characters in the Skywalker saga, which makes me think there's going to be more than just Boba. Yeah, I mean, I totally think Boba would work and could create a really interesting conflict there. And I think there really is so much more to learn about Boba because we have a good bit of information about like what he was up to during the Clone Wars era. But like we know so little about him, like what he was doing during the OT. He just shows up and looks cool and we don't really Mm -hmm. get any backstory there of what's been going on with him. So I think it would be really great to finally get that. Yeah. And I yeah, I know a lot of people think Boba is overrated, but maybe you wouldn't think that if you got more attached to him as a character and learned a bit more about him. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I totally agree with you. And I actually sent you this photo a couple weeks ago on Daniel Logan, Daniel Logan's Instagram. Somebody asked, so when are we going to see you in The Mandalorian? And Daniel Logan, who played Boba Fett in the, the prequel trilogy and has been an avid, Daniel has still like been in the fandom very heavily and goes to Celebration, uh, goes to different cons, all that sort of stuff. He replied, well, we're going to have to wait to see, right? Mm-hmm. So that was like, I know he's probably just joking around, but... The idea of like a Daniel Logan showing up and playing an older Boba Fett in the suit, that is kind of exciting. And that would be like a really great nod to the prequels. And I know John has been very avid on the fact that the Mandalorian will weave all the different eras of Star Wars together, including the prequels. And I definitely think the prequels didn't get enough attention, in my personal opinion, in the sequel trilogy. So it'd be nice if we got some of those hints in like TV format. Especially with Kenobi coming out soon. Yeah, I think it would just be awesome if they have Boba show up a few times and he never takes the mask off. So like you have to look at the credits to know who's playing him because I think that would be a great contrast since we have seen Din Djarin's mask come off. Now it would be a great contrast between those two characters to like know our Mandalorian more personally. You know, and have mm-hmm. him take the mask off sometimes at least, and then have Boba as this like faceless character would be great. Yeah, I would love it. And you don't even have to have Daniel in the suit either. He can totally just do the voiceover, and you can cast mm-hmm. somebody else to look like Boba, which yeah. opens up a whole new door of possibilities of who you can who you can cast. And Bo- I, Daniel Logan was on the Clone Wars doing Boba Fett's voice, so that wouldn't be new to him. He's very familiar with that aspect of of the show making. So who knows? I mean, who else, though, yeah. do you think could be an established character in this in the show from the Skywalker saga? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. Like, I've <sighs> any kind of bounty hunter character or criminal could show up, like oh. if Bosk or somebody yes! is still around, like oh. that could happen. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that would be cool. So, yeah, I think any kind of bounty hunter character is fair game. I don't know if they're going to touch characters like luke skywalker or something i feel like they're gonna kind of steer yeah i don't want that i hope they steer Mm. clear of that god that would honestly like put such a bad taste in my mouth for for the mandalorian i just think (laughs) i I like the idea of just having a separate story completely distant from the story of the skywalkers and it just again um Mm -hmm. i think when you start to integrate too much it makes the universe smaller so to just have this completely separate side story where they're like they're, he's they're not involved at all in what's going on just kind of gives more agency to the characters that we have already and it would feel a bit weird to have like somebody like a Luke Skywalker show up to like save the day or something 
unless you know yeah. Baby Yoda's given to Luke Skywalker at the end of the show like that's a little different maybe if he's just kind of like briefly there for like a second and he's not like contributing too much but mm-hmm. who knows I, I really want Ahsoka that... to show up to be the adopted uh, yeah that's what I was parent. gonna say like mm-hmm. I hope that if he doesn't end up giving Baby Yoda back to like his own species that he gives him to Ahsoka yeah. that would be really cool that would be so cute I don't think my heart could handle it oh, that would be great <laughs> And I don't know if you saw today on Twitter, uh, Rosario Dawson retweeted somebody who had fan casted Ahsoka as Rosario. And Rosario said, tell him, hashtag Ahsoka lives. I saw that and I was like, oh boy. (laughs) I was like, I need that. (laughs) Like, I know she said in the past that she would be interested in playing that character. So I think she's like, she's like, I want it. Give it, give it to me. (laughs) I am just saying she has the perfect look for Ahsoka. Like, she, she really does. Off. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so good. And like, especially too, I'm under the impression that Ahsoka is going to be in the Cassian series and it's going to be named like Fulcrum or something. So maybe oh, well. if you like integrate her slowly back into like live action with maybe the Mandalorian, if she is the adoptive parent of Baby Yoda at some point or just protects him after Mando can't anymore, that kind of gets her back into the discussion and then she shows up full time for another series. But who knows? Do I don't you- know. I'm just spitballing here. Do you think that there's any kind of possibility that Ahsoka could become like a a connection between all of the Disney Plus series? Like if she showed up in The Mandalorian just even briefly, what if she's in like the Cassian show? What if she shows up in the Obi-Wan show? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even be if opposed. It's, I mean, even if it's just like as a little cameo in each one, right. I think that could be interesting. Yeah, I would be a fan of that, honestly. The more Ahsoka, the better, in my opinion. So I'm I, I love her and Ashley Eckstein's great in the fandom and definitely we need to cast Rosario because it, it's like the perfect fan cast if I've ever seen one. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So Madison, we're going to move on from that that bit of news there and let's discuss Disney Plus in general. So we've had it now for what, three months, two months. And mm-hmm. I would say so far, the streaming service is a massive success. At this point, I'm kind of curious like what I'm going to watch on it. So I think that's kind of the natural order of things when you begin a streaming service and you don't necessarily have like the consistent new programming coming out each and every week. And I think they're kind of in mm-hmm. that in that little bit of a lull right now because High School Musical just ended. Mandalorian's over. The Imagineering story ended as well. I think those were like some of the bigger the bigger IPs of the streaming service. So now we're kind of waiting for like, you know, the Marvel shows to start Kenobi to start filming Cassian to start filming um, season two of Mandalorian's already filming. Now we're waiting for the clone wars, which is back soon. And on February 17th, I believe I, I think, you know, as we get farther down the road, it will be more consistent and we'll always have something to watch on there. But I would say in general, in terms of like the quality of what's on the service so far is like really great. The way that the Mandalorian story was told, truly, I believe that it's like the future of Star Wars. I think television is where Star Wars is going to now be its strongest. Not that I'm opposed to films or anything. I still love going to the theater, but I think in terms of like the quality of storytelling in general, I think this is like the platinum age of television in a way where we are getting like some of the best storytelling on TV on like HBO and AMC and and FX and, and now like Netflix and Amazon, like we're getting some really, really good storytelling. I think it's the result of having like, you know, eight hours of, of, a, a, of characters and story rather than just like two hours. So of course you're going to have mm-hmm. better stories. You know, you have time to tell those things and to draw it out. And the Mandalorian really showed that when you can do that in the Star Wars universe, 
it's going to be a massive, massive hit. So what do you what do you think on on the state of Disney Plus and just the future of, of Star Wars on the service? Yeah, I agree. I it was there was something so special about just being able to watch Star Wars from the comfort of your home. Like we've been able to do that with the Clone Wars in the past when it was airing on Cartoon Network and stuff. But there's something so convenient about Disney Plus, like having the streaming service quality of it because there's no commercials or anything it's so great (laughs) and what I appreciate about them doing all these Disney plus series is that I feel like it takes a lot of pressure off of each show because it's like when you release a Star Wars film it's a huge deal you have to try to bring in as many people as possible and yeah you kind of got to do that with the Disney plus series on a lesser scale but I love how it just in my opinion, it gives them more room to tell different Star Wars stories instead of just being like, we got to have the Jedi, we got to have lightsabers, whatever, you know, it has to be all about the force. Like I, I like that they're going to have the option now to tell different kinds of stories, like a bounty hunter story with the Mandalorian, although it is much more than that. And they're going to have a Cassian story where it's a a spy and the rebellion, that's going to be totally different. And then you're going to have Obi-Wan, which is another Force-centric show. Mm-hmm. Probably, I would guess, a much quieter show in terms yeah. of like constant action and violence and that kind of thing. It's going to probably be more contemplative. I could be wrong. But I just love the fact that now that they don't just have to focus on the Skywalker saga, there is room to tell so many different kinds of Star Wars stories. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm most excited about with the potential of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that is I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, we're past the Skywalker saga. We loved it. And now we get to just move on and tell tell the new stories, you know, tell the future, tell tell the next generation of Star Wars. You know, I think there's so many different mm-hmm. creators, especially. And I think that was one of the strengths of The Mandalorian was you really had just the one creative head or I guess two creative heads of Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau. But then you also had like several directors telling their vision throughout it. But it still very much felt the same. They wove together yeah. really well. Every episode had its distinct vision, but overall the story wasn't the story wasn't conflicting with itself. It had one common thorough line and you had Deborah Chow, Bryce Dallas Howard, Taika Watiti, Favreau, Rick Famuyiwa, and and Filoni. So like you had all these great visionaries telling their version of Star Wars, but it's still fundamentally the same thing that you're watching. And I think mm-hmm. regardless of the, the quality of the sequel trilogy, it's a little awkward when you have, you know, one director doing one movie and then a new director and then another director, but then that director gets let go and then you hire on the first director again. So it can get a little messy there in terms of maybe how the story is being told. And again, that's just regardless of, of you know, your thoughts on the sequel trilogy. I think just at its face value that that can get a little dicey and it's definitely a hard situation to navigate, I would imagine, to keep kind of that consistency in the storytelling. But mm-hmm. with just John Favreau being the one to kind of pull the strings and say like what the show needs to be, but then also like collaborate and also ask his directors, what do you think the show should be? And you get that process going, but you still have the foundation intact. You know, it's never getting, it's never getting shaken. It's very firm, very like true to itself. And I, I think that's what I love and respect about the show. Yeah. I think that's a hard lesson Lucasfilm had to learn with the the sequel trilogy is that I I think that is what ended up being its greatest weakness is that it was not 
thoroughly planned out from the beginning. Like maybe some core ideas were, but the majority of it clearly wasn't. And I think that's one of the biggest strengths of The Mandalorian is that it does feel so consistent. Like they sat down and talked through this story from um, point A to point B and they knew where they were going with it. And so the whole thing, each piece fits so well together because Yes, they had the narrative planned out and John Favreau's in charge and works closely with Dave Filoni, but they did give each director the freedom to have their own creative input and kind of put their own spin on each episode, which was so cool to see mm-hmm. tonally. Yeah. And the fact that we're getting Deborah Chow to do an entire Obi-Wan series and it's just hers, like she gets six episodes, run with it, Deborah, do what you want. Like, that's awesome. Opening that sandbox for for new creators is so exciting. Yeah, I'm so excited for that series. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Give me the Liam Neeson cameo. Just saying. I want Liam Neeson back as a Forest Ghost Qui-Gon. Oh my God. <laughs> I see that and I raise you Hayden Christensen cameos like in flashbacks. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Well, that's that's definitely a uh, discussion for another time because I could get on the Obi-Wan series for like another two hours probably. But Yeah, same. <laughs> Do do you think that Lucasfilm in general is going to turn most of their content to Disney Plus? Are we going to get original movies even on the streaming service as well as TV? Do you think they're going to roll back from putting stuff in the movie theater? Because I think also, you know, sometimes you have to consider the box office. These movies take a ton of money to make. And we've clearly seen that even just for $100 million for The Mandalorian, it was a huge, huge success. Mm -hmm. I think Disney's getting a really good return on investment for television shows. So you got to wonder, I know we're getting the three movies in theaters, but do you think they're going to do a lot more with the with the service as well beyond just TV? I would love to see some animated films. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that would be really cool. Like I'm personally hoping for a post-Rebels show with Ahsoka and Sabine going to look for Ezra. That would be mm-hmm. great to do either, yeah. either as a series or an animated film. That would be so cool. Yeah. Well, um, there's that rumor going around that might be happening. It's completely... It hasn't been yeah. confirmed, but that's a rumor going around. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll find Gosh, out. Gosh, I one. hope so. Maybe that's part of Project Luminous. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think Disney's ever going to stop like cranking out the Star Wars movies. I think they're about to probably start up either another trilogy or it could be a series. It's kind of unclear at this point, like mm-hmm. whether they're going to keep these upcoming uh, projects limited to a trilogy or if it's going to end up being like five or six movies even. Who knows? I don't know where they're going with that, honestly, because we have so little news about it. I They could even have two different series, I guess, going at the same time. Like, for example, if they did a Ryan Johnson trilogy and then they do a different one. I don't know. Yeah. Well, time time will tell for, for sure. But I'm excited for the future of Star Wars. I've, I've never been more excited, which, you know, even if I don't necessarily... Uh, enjoy one of the films i know there's so much more to the universe out there and so many other characters that i'm attached to and at the end of the day i'm we're all still star wars fans first and foremost so no Mm -hmm. matter what happens we're always going to be here for the franchise and i'm always just excited to see what we're going to take out of the out of the storybook and what's going to be in the sandbox when we open it and allow all different types of people to tell their stories and and that that's exciting that is truly truly exciting yeah absolutely well, we're going to get actually into the discussion of, of the, the season one of Mandalorian, which at, at this point, we've kind of talked more about the, the Disney Plus climate and some of the news happening. But now we're going to really get into this season at a glance, like what 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 we expected versus what we got, I think, is a good 
good place to start. So Madison, you know, going into the Mandalorian, what did you expect from it? And then what did you truly get? Like how did it subvert your expectations at all? Did it kind of stick to what, to what you thought was going to happen? What, what, what was that experience like for you watching this throughout eight episodes? It was not at all what I expected in the best possible way, because the way they talked about the show at Celebration and, you know, throughout whatever marketing and promotions they did, it was very much like, this is a Western, you know, it's going to be dark and gritty. Like the, the first trailer that came out was so, and the second too, like kind of portrayed it as this really serious, like bounty hunter story you know and so that's what I was expecting I was kind of expecting like a Clint Eastwood-esque western but Star Wars and it, it is that in some ways but it's also the journey of our Mandalorian becoming a dad <laughs> and it became so much softer than I was expecting and it was much more um mythological than I was expecting I I wasn't going to hold it to the standard of the Skywalker saga in terms of like its mythology and its symbolism. But then there it was in like every episode following that hero's journey to a T. And I was just so happy to see that, that this story feels so Star Wars, like the heart of it was there. And yeah, it's got the bounty hunter aspect, but it's also so much more. And so that's why when I say this wasn't at all what I expected, I, I'm glad that it wasn't what I was expecting. I love this show so much. I agree with you. I thought the show was very much just going to be for the action, just complete eye candy for Star Wars fans. And not that it wouldn't have a story. I just didn't think like, I didn't know if it was necessarily going to have like a message, you know, which was probably mm -hmm. naive of me to think. But when we finally got to the show and realized it was saying a lot about the characters within it and also having this extremely cute 50 year old baby, that's like <laughs> the greatest marketing thing I think Disney and Star Wars has ever had under its belt. I, I was just so pleased. It, so, it had so much more heart than I thought it was going to have, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I think that's what I really, really enjoyed about the show. It, it The characters were so warm and and just inviting into their own stories and their lives and we really just kind of felt like we were we were on the journey with them versus just like watching blaster fire and watching space battles and all these like really action-packed sequences it was more than that and when the action-packed sequences did happen they felt special because of you know quieter episodes throughout the season that took us to familiar places took us to some unfamiliar places but didn't necessarily need to have the quality of a season finale. I think that kind of stuff really worked for the show as well. But I, I agree completely. I would say in a way blindsided by the show and the fact that I was blindsided from day one just made the rest of the experience so much better. Yeah. I will never forget the moment when I saw baby Yoda for the first time <laughs> at the end of chapter one, that, that was the moment where I was like, Oh, this is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> And my mind was just blown. Here we are thinking the entire show is going to be him looking for this asset. And then we get a, the asset in the first episode and it's a baby. And we're like, okay, this guy is softening the whole season. He is going to become yeah. a softy. I'm so glad that's what we got with Mando's journey. Speaking of which, I was rewatching episodes one through three today. And it's so crazy, like how different he is in those first couple episodes versus where we end up. And just mm -hmm. going back and rewatching, you know, the first scene when he enters that that bar 
and kicks some ass and takes the guy in a ship, doesn't talk to him at all, and is just like, you know, very one-worded here and there. And how disheveled his Beskar armor looks. It's not even really Beskar, it's just really crappy armor that he's wearing initially. And just how far mm-hmm. he comes into getting, you know, like the Whispering Birds and the Rising Phoenix and being a dad and showing emotion, taking his helmet off. Like so much happens on his journey throughout the show. And it's been some of the best character development I've seen in Star Wars. And the fact that we get like another eight episodes with Din Djarin is is so exciting. And Pedro Pascal is just absolutely killing it. He's always deserved to be in this franchise. I'm so happy he's finally a part of it. It was only a matter of time. And I'm just so I'm, I'm pleasantly pleased with this with the show right now. What do you think of Mando's yeah. journey this this year? I think going off of what you said about chapter one, I feel like the opening of that chapter was like. Here's what you expected. Right. <laughs> and it was subversion in the best way. It's like, here's what you expect. This guy kicking butt in a cantina. Um, and he's, you know, all serious and tough and he doesn't care about anything or anybody. He's just out for the money. But it's it's like with Han Solo. There, there's more to you than money. The, the heart of Star Wars is there. And I didn't mention this too, but like, even before Baby Yoda showed up, you know that this is going to be different when he meets Kuwil and he's like training to ride the Blurg, like all of that stuff. Again, just classic hero's journey. And you're like, oh, this character is going to be learning to not just connect with his masculine side, like violence and killing and all this stuff, but he's going to be finding that missing feminine, which is, you know, not being afraid to love things, uh, learning to be human again instead of just a man in a mask. And that's what makes this sh- this show and his journey so compelling because, you know, we were talking about how great the action scenes are in this show earlier. And the the key to a great action scene is just not making things that look cool, but getting you emotionally invested in these characters to where you're like worried about them during these action scenes, you're emotionally invested. And that's what this show did so well is that it really made you care, not just about the other characters, but especially about Mando and him trying to protect baby Yoda, especially in like chapter three, when you really feel that desperation, he's like giving everything he has to try to protect this child and that was that was the heart of this show, at least in season one. I don't know how things are going to turn out in season two, but Mando and the child were just the heart of the story, and it was so compelling. You mentioned him walking into the bar at the beginning of chapter one, and you, and you said, this is what you expect. And that that is actually such a meta commentary on the show, because not only are we going through the process of having our expectations dashed, so is the Mandalorian. Because we are set up with this character who is very used to the process. He, he he does the job that he needs to, and he's very consistent in that. It's very routine. And then everything starts to go haywire within the first episode. You know, there's no bounty puck. Now he's working with Imperials. He meets this little alien dude training him to ride a Blurg. <laughs> and <laughs> he's already getting his ass whooped by the Blurgs when he shows up on the planet. And then he has to work with a droid. He's like, oh my God, this mission could not be going any worse. <laughs> and then the next thing he knows, he's got to take care of this kid. So it's like, we are having our expectations subverted, but so is the Mandalorian of his own job. And I think exactly. that's why the show works because you're you're experiencing those same emotions as the characters. So then we're able to relate as the viewer. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's so meta and I love it. It's great. Yeah. 
And another, you know, major change he developed over the course of the show was like, we see that parallel now that we have all the episodes in chapter two, he handles things by default with violence. He doesn't like to negotiate, hence him trying to roast the Jawas. But then in chapter five with the Tusken Raiders, he actually negotiates and passes through peacefully. And I'm like, that there is character development. And he doesn't kill that crew either in chapter uh, six. Because yeah, we think exactly. that he's led to kill all of them on the ship, but he leaves them in the jail cell because he has some sort of morality and values. And he's not just yeah. a ruthless killing machine. You know, he's not just sitting there picking off Jawas with his, his rifle anymore. He's, yeah. He is trying to be a, a role model for his his now son and yeah. showing him that, that this is the way. This can be the way for you. You don't have to especially use your your newfound powers to be a bad guy, you know, which I wonder if yeah. that'll be a, a central plot <laughs> showing him. Here's how you use the force. <laughs> use it yeah. responsibly, little boy. Come on. I mean, that is going into, you know, we have a lot of big questions coming out of season one. And I think one of my big questions is kind of where does Din go from here? Like, is he going to keep doing bounties? Cause I don't know if he is. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many paths that he could take and i think his main goal you know going into season two is going to be finding um the sorcerers or finding (laughs) baby yoda's species you know he's going to be looking for someone to uh take baby yoda and i'm wondering you know is is that going to be what ends up happening or is it going to is the answer going to be no den you're supposed to be the child's father you can't give him up Mm -hmm. yeah it is curious because what mission is he going to have? It's mostly just going to be like a quest for knowledge almost. Mm-hmm. So where does where yeah. does he start? Like, does he have any hints of where to begin? Does he have to learn about the Jedi to figure out where this being comes from? I don't know. That's that's the question. I have no <sighs> idea. I wonder like if season two is going to travel to the New Republic because... You know, he says, I can't remember which episode it's in, but he says, like, that's a joke. I think it's chapter three when Grief's like, you can go to the New Republic. And he's like, nah, I wonder if that's where he's going to end up having to go to find the answers he's looking for. Huh. Maybe that could be the introduction of some of the familiar characters. Yeah. You know, because so much of season one takes place in a wilderness or in a very small village. We don't get to see the big industrial centers of the larger planets like. Coruscant or you know mm-hmm. something like Cosmian Prime was like I think that we could see some really different environments in season two and that would be really cool it would take a lot more budget but they might have that budget um to kind of show these big cities mm-hmm. would be really cool and a good like change of scenery quite literally taking his first steps into a larger world yeah you know and I think looking back at when Star Wars Underworld was a, a, a concept we knew that was coming out. It was going to be a, a massive live action television project and it got dashed. It was, this was in like 2005, 2008. And that never happened. That was supposed to be very Coruscant focused, like the underworld. So I wonder if they're using any sort of concepts from those scripts to now, if we're going back to a Coruscant, I, I think that would actually be a good place to start. I think is going to a very inhabited city and looking for knowledge, whether it is Ooh. through the old Jedi temple you know him trying to find answers and maybe do some covert operations in the underworld to get the answers from people and you know leave baby yoda on the ship because he doesn't want him to, he doesn't want baby yoda to see what he's doing but he's got to he's got to find the answers somehow 
that's a, this a very just, complicated situation. This just hit me. I can't remember. I think this planet has been brought back into canon, but I would love to see personally Narshada, which is a wonderful mm. hive of scum and villainy. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> and it's also a big city planet, so it would fit both of those criteria. Yeah. Oh, that would actually be really interesting. And that'd I think that's so important, cool. too, yeah, to, to also bring up some new planets. You know, we can't just keep revisiting the same old ones like Coruscant, even though I think we should. But to your point, let's go to a Narshada and, and get something new that we haven't seen and maybe have only heard up until this point. But now we get some sort of visual representation. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other interesting places we could go. Dagobah? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> What's this little hut doing here? Who's, who lived here before? I want to know what Yoda's home planet was, and is that like where the rest of the species is, and that's where he has to go? That would be interesting. Imagine if it's just this completely like bopping planet, like they're just having <laughs> parties. There's like a really good bar scene there. You got all the little baby Yodas like drinking like you know pink Moscato together because they're fifty and they're over the legal drinking age. That could be fun. It's gonna, it's gonna be like Octu with the fish nuns having their parties. <laughs> <laughs> There's just like a burning man happening. Uh, all baby yeah. Yodas are just like bobbing their heads and like, you know, fist bumping the air, fist pumping the air and, uh, you know, <laughs> listening to like Dixie Chicks, you know, like the whole, the whole shebang. Yeah. I'd be I'm a fan all for of it. That. Let's make, <laughs> let's make the Mandalorian a musical is what I'm saying. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Madison. So what other big questions do we have? So it's very hard to speculate on where the Mandalorian goes from here without having any sort of like trailer or knowledge of who's getting cast or who's directing episodes. But like, what are some of the big questions that we have heading into season two? I mean, we talked about Boba earlier, but we still don't have any confirmation of who that mysterious figure at the end of chapter five was. So I have to believe that's going to be a thread that's going to be picked up on mm -hmm. in season two. I agree. So I hope it's Boba, but I mean, I, I definitely think there's other options there. It could be anyone that we already know, or it could be a new character. Who knows? Yeah. But I'm choosing to believe it's Boba based on those really distinct sound effects they, uh, they used. Yeah. Very, very distinct. Like literally Boba Fett's sound effects. <laughs> yeah. Puts on tinfoil hat. <laughs> I One of the questions that's on my mind, who, how did Baby Yoda get kidnapped in the first place? You know, like, I don't know. He, had, he must have had a family somewhere. I think it was Trandoshans took him and got him on this planet, put him in this little, this little white thing, this white cradle, and we're just holding him up in this area. Mm -hmm. And then how did that catch wind of the empire? So there's a lot of stories there in terms of, I don't know if these are necessarily answers that we need. I, I still think they're big questions that we might have. Yeah. I mean, it makes me wonder if he was taken from the Empire, first of all, like if they had originally taken him and then the criminals got a hold of Baby Yoda somehow, because how else like would the Empire have known about him and had the bounty out on him? Right. That makes me think he was taken from the Empire who had originally stolen him from his family or whatever. And the Empire is like, hey, give that back. That's ours. <laughs> And the idea of the chain code, too, because the chain code is tied to Baby Yoda. And we haven't really talked too much about chain code. I know we've wanted to, and we just always forget to do that. But did you want to touch a little bit on that and, like, maybe what the, like, Baby Yoda having a chain code could mean for, like, his origins and how he got involved in this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, my, my current thoughts about that are just, like, if you have been a part of any kind of official organization, like, I, when I was thinking about Kara and being part of the New Republic... 
army, you know, she would have probably had her DNA entered into this data bank, basically. I think that, like, the Empire and the Republic would keep these databases of, like, everyone who served under them or worked for them. I think they would have their DNA, and that's what is then used for these chain codes. So I think if if the Empire originally had the child before he was taken by these criminals, they would have already had his chain code entered into their system. So I... I find that whole thing very interesting of like, uh, it, it's so invasive in a way. Like I have your DNA and now I can track you throughout the galaxy and you can never escape. It's a really interesting concept. I, I think that's, that's going to be explored more hopefully, which kind of leads me into my next big question is, you know, why did Kara leave the new Republic Navy? How did she mm-hmm. get involved with that? I think we could get some maybe really interesting flashback sequences with her. So we've gotten that for Mando in season one. And have now learned like where he came from and his upbringing. But now I think it'd be kind of cool if we did the same thing for Kara in season two, learning more about why she ditched the war effort, you know, why she's gone rogue, why, why she got to the point of basically like, leave me alone. I want to live on this planet by myself and nobody else is going to take my space up, you know, like get off, go find somewhere else. Mando boy, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I'm really hoping to see an entire episode that is a flashback, basically, like showing us what went wrong, what she did that was mm-hmm. so controversial, apparently, to the New Republic and why she left. I'm very interested in having those answers, hopefully in season two. We'll see. They might hold out on us a little longer. <laughs> it would add so much complexity to her character, too, because if we see like a point where in her life she had made a mistake or done something wrong. And like, how does she rebound from that to make a, make a choice to be better? You know, it goes mm-hmm. back to that idea of, of redemption and make being a better person for tomorrow. And I think if that, that could be like an unexpected twist to Kara that we didn't know about is like, she's done something very terrible in her past, but we've been introduced yeah. to her as like a very good hearted person that kind of challenges our own expectations of the character, but then allows us to cope with the fact that she went through that but we don't always have to look at her that way. Like we don't always have to look at her based on her mistakes or judge her based on her wrongdoings. Like we can, we can move past those, but we can at least like acknowledge that they happened. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that would give her a lot of very interesting dynamics for her character. Yeah. I mean, the new Republic has a lot on its plate and I just can't imagine that they would be so obsessed with finding one deserter. It makes me think she did something that they considered wrong like handled a mission maybe in an unconventional manner and something terrible happened. I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot more to the story than just she deserted and she left. Yeah. And yeah, I hope we get that story because I think it would be just awesome to see. I agree. Now, what's our final qu- big question of, of season one, Madison? I think this is the biggest, probably the biggest one and opens the door for so many, so many opportunities. Yeah, probably that massive cliffhanger they left us on with the Darksaber. (laughs) (laughs) What? What's the Darksaber, Madison? That's crazy. Yeah, how did Moff Gideon get his hands on that? Because it's certainly not where we last saw the Darksaber, which was in the hands of Bo-Katan and Star Wars Rebels. Mm -hmm. So apparently a lot has happened since we last saw the Darksaber. I think it's pretty official that we're going to get Bo-Katan in the show. And I will even go as far to say that we will know before the show airs. I think she might even come out at Star Wars Celebration on stage because they're going to have to introduce some new cast members. 
Mm-hmm. So why not bring out Katie Sackoff and have her be present? She was at Celebration last year, so she's been to the convention before. I think that'd be really cool to say, hey, like, Bo-Katan's back. And that really builds, that like, a huge so word of great. mouth, too, especially right off the heels of Star Wars The Clone Wars, very, very Bo-Katan-heavy focused. And if Rebels is indeed happening, if another Rebel show is happening, you know we're going to get more Bo-Katan in that, too. Mm-hmm. Which now thinking back to her cryptic tweet, that could have meant a Rebel sequel. But I still think it means when she tweeted about her best day in her career, I still think she's shooting something on The Mandalorian. But I think we would get her back in some sort of flashback sequence. Or if she's still alive, maybe she's trying to get the Darksaber back. You know, Mm -hmm. that would be really cool if Mando stumbles into her. Because I I guess we've been wondering, like, where does Mando go from here? We're completely forgetting that Moff Gideon's still out there with the Darksaber. Yeah. So that's obviously going to be his big adversary that's chasing him now. So rather than doing bounties, he's trying to escape Moff Gideon. And maybe that's where he picks up on Bo-Katan. And the whole season becomes about her reclaiming the Darksaber from a previous opponent. And maybe she dies along the way. Maybe the Mando takes up the Darksaber. There's a, there's just so many possibilities. I'm This is the best thing that could have happened to the show. I, this is my personal theory, but I think she's probably already dead. I think Moff Gideon probably killed her, and I think a big aspect of season two could be Din re- reclaiming what rightfully belongs to the Mandalorians. I think it would be so cool if we had, a at the very least, a whole flashback sequence, if not an entire episode of Moff Gideon when he first claimed the Darksaber and what happened. And I would love to see that duel that probably happened between him and Bo-Katan. Yeah. And then the parallel is that in uh, in season two, whether it's the finale or whenever it happens, we have Din face off with Moff Gideon in a duel and he and Din wins and claims the Darksaber. That yeah. would just be amazing. That's the most likely option. I think definitely flashback sequence and then she's she's passed on. Uh, that ruins me, though, to think about. I know. <laughs> Star Wars is tragedy. Do you, do you think though that they would they would unveil unveil her before the show comes out to to hype up the show? Do you think that is a likely thing? I don't know. They're so secretive, and they didn't even tell us about Baby Yoda. So yeah. like, I feel like they might keep that under wraps. Mm-hmm. But I could be wrong. That would be really cool though if she showed up on stage and they're like, "Oh, we got one other cast member we want to introduce you to," and then Katie Sackoff shows up. We're like. <gasps> Oh my god! <laughs> people just start screaming. Like people would go nuts. People's brains explode. <laughs> I'm excited for dark saber cosplay. Is all I'm saying. So. Oh my gosh! Yes. I think the idea of the the dark saber being introduced is just so fascinating. Opens up so much storytelling. Maybe we could even get a flashback to the dark saber origins to the old republic. Mm-hmm. Like you have so much room now for storytelling, and and flashbacks aren't new to the show. We've gotten plenty of them. So I just want flashbacks galore. And if we're talking about season two is a quest for knowledge, I guarantee you that we're going to get a lot of them. So mm-hmm. that that would be really cool. That's like my number one hope for season two is just flashbacks galore. Mando learns so much about not only his people, but of the galaxy. And that helps him to find baby Yoda's people and return him to their, his rightful parents. Yes. Oh, I can't I love it. Can't imagine saying goodbye to baby Yoda, though. It's going to be the most emotional goodbye we've ever seen. Oh my gosh, like, Like, (laughs) just when we thought it was going to happen for a minute in chapter four was heartbreaking, but imagine like it happening like at the end of season two after we're even more attached. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Could you imagine 
if like the Mando music is playing and Baby Yoda's with his pa- parents and he's on the ground waving at the Razor Crest. Brad, stop! And he just hears <laughs> sniffles inside the Mando helmet as he's flying off. And the oh show my ends gosh, no! <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I'm fragile right now, Brad. You can't do this to me. All right. Well, we still got like, I mean, if it happens this year, you know, we still got another 12 months to go. So we don't have to think about it right now, but yeah, it's a large possibility. So for for you out there, just like brace yourself emotionally a little bit. So just just think about that for a second. <laughs> Chew on that. So we're just gonna live in denial. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine now. We're all good here. How are you guys? Well, Madison, we've talked about quite a bit. And I think it's time we introduce a new segment on the show and something that will only happen once a year, which means it's that, that special. Uh, it might be the the um, best thing to ever happen to Star Wars podcasting, I would say. Probably one of the yeah. greatest accomplishments of, of anybody was this idea yeah. that we had. <laughs> I don't think that's a stretch to say. Um, <laughs> do you want to do, wanna do am- the honors? <laughs> Yes, I am so ready to introduce the first ever annual Mando Globe Awards. Woohoo! <laughs> it is award season. Golden Globes just happened like last week. The Oscars are in a couple of weeks. The Super Bowl is happening. That's not award season related, but there is an award that is handed out at the end, a trophy. There's a lot happening. It is a season of competition. Yes. And only one option can win. <laughs> Give Adam Driver all of your awards. <laughs> Basically. We did a lot of polls on Twitter where you guys could vote for the best of. We had all kinds of different categories. Like, for example, you know, best episode from the first half of season one. Like, best director, best fight. All kinds of cool stuff that you guys voted on. And so today we're going to be announcing who won each category. We thought this was a great way to acknowledge all of the different contributions throughout the show because there's just so many of them and so little time, honestly. I don't even know how you recap the show in a single episode of Bounties and Blasters because it's just so layered. But yeah. I'm excited to talk about this and I'm excited to see what, what people are saying. We'll just go right into it, I guess. So which ones do we want to start with first? I feel like we got to save the ones up top, maybe for last. All right. Kind of like in typical awards show fashion. Madison, we're going to kick it off with best piece of gear in The Mandalorian. So the nominees were The Rising Phoenix, The Jetpack, Whispering Birds, The Flamethrower, and The Flash Charger from Chapter 5. I will say The Flash Charger got zero votes. People are not a fan of the flash charger, apparently. It's very blinding. Or the flash drive, as I called it. (laughs) So, without further ado, the winner is the Whispering Birds. I was actually surprised by this. I thought people were going to go with the Rising Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Because, gotta get me one of those. Mando, come on. And he was super excited to finally get that. He rode that thing pretty easily. Helped him win the day in the final episode. It was very, very important. But also the whispering birds are super important because he wouldn't have made it out of that compound without him. They're very and cool. It was so yeah. unexpected. So do you do you agree with this decision? Because I think I do. I this one was hard because I I like the jetpack. I like the whispering birds. But I don't know. I think my personal favorite is the flamethrower. I don't know what yeah. that says about me, but I just think it's freaking awesome. So yeah, that the flamethrower gets my vote. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it in chapter three when he uses it when he's in that like car thing. 
and he uses that as mm-hmm. a last resort and all the flames go out and then he just cradles baby Yoda and he's like, I guess we're, this is it. Powerful And moment. I'm back to crying again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Madison, what is our next category? So next up we have best fight scenes and we had to split this into two polls to make it easier on people so because there are so many, so many fights, so many great fights to choose from. So let's, let's do chapters one through four first. The options were... Mando and IG in the Valley, Mando versus Mudhorn, Escape from Navarro, and It Takes a Village, which is, of course, the fight versus the ATST in Chapter 4. And the winner is, drumroll, <laughs> Escape from Navarro. Won by a pretty good margin there. Yeah, that was a pretty decisive victory, honestly. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, having the entire like tribe of Mandalorians show up was pretty epic. <laughs> Very unexpected, too. I didn't think we were going to be getting Very that. Very unexpected. Yeah. Deborah Chow was just wrecking us right off the bat. She's like, hey, I know I'm directing Obi-Wan, so let me just show you all what I'm made of. And just completely left us flabbergasted on a Friday. Nobody yeah. could focus that work on work that day. Yeah. So when we're looking at the best fight scenes in The Mandalorian of chapters five through eight, we have the Guild Hunter space battle. I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. That's my line. We have Mando versus the New Republic droids. IG-11 rolling into town for Chapter 8 with Baby Yoda slinging in his little his little pouch on the front of him. And then we got Mando versus Gideon's TIE Fighter at the end of the episode. And the winner is IG-11 rolling into town like a G. He just <laughs> dominated everybody. I, I still think of that one shot when he's going through the town and all the explosions are happening and... People yeah. know there's someone big coming. Like this guy means business. They're we're kind of scared a little bit, and all the troopers like start frantically running around, and it's just so action packed. And I think going back to something you said earlier, the thing that the show does really well is make us care about to care care about the characters, so that when we get to these kinds of fight scenes, it has more emotional weight versus just like theatrics and and over the topness. You know, it actually mm-hmm. means something in this moment. Yeah. IG is so chaotic in that scene. I love him. The fact that he just keeps spinning baby around on his chest, (laughs) (laughs) protecting him. I was like, that's clever. I didn't even think of that. He is the ultimate babysitter. Yeah. He's using a spider sense, obviously. He knows when he's going to get shot at. So he just spins around and jukes him out. Exactly. (laughs) Well, Madison, you got to, you got to give us uh, the nominees for this next category. Cause I know it's probably one of your favorites. Yeah, I personally am kind of the like founder, I consider myself, of the Mandoon <laughs> ship. So <laughs> this next one is favorite moment between Cara Dune and the Mandalorian. Option number one is the stay with me buddy scene where she's pleading for him, you know, when he's like, leave me behind. And she's like, I won't leave you. That scene. And the bar fight, which is when they first meet each other and fight outside the cantina. And ATST teamwork. And the last one is Behind Enemy Lines, which was when they had that awesome fight in the hut when they're like going back there to find the ATST and like lure them out. So the winner, by again, another huge margin is Stay With Me, Buddy, which I mean, uh, who who didn't cry? <laughs> Everybody cried, unfortunately. We all cried. <laughs> Our eyes hurt. My eyes hurt so bad watching that. Ugh. Same. Like that was so good. And I think Gina really did a great job in that scene, too. Yeah, her acting skills have just really grown on me. Like mm-hmm. for somebody who has an MMA background and that's kind of what she was in and now really getting into acting, she's doing such a great job. Like go her. Yeah, she really sold me on the emotion in that scene. It was a real tearjerker. Yeah. 
it doesn't feel like she's just reciting lines, you know? It really feels like she is the character, and I think that's the one of the biggest strengths of an actor or actress is to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, our next category here is our favorite Mandalorian mantra. I thought this one was going to be a little closer, Madison. I did too. We, we have This Is The Way as our first nominee, and I Have Spoken. Now, if you had asked me this after episode one, I would have certainly said the latter, but the winner is This Is The Way. I think Star Wars fans have adopted that as a mantra, really, because it can fit anything that you're trying to talk about, I think. I think you can truly yeah. use it for anything. Like, I, I can, on a Friday night, when I'm staying in, say, like, you know, <laughs> am I going to order a large pizza or am I going to order an extra large pizza? And I can just say extra large for myself and I can just say this is the way and then I feel better about it. Yeah. So you can really apply it to any situation, just as you can with I have spoken, but this is the way just feels like more more of a larger blanket statement and really just kind of going with the punches and no matter what you don't doubt yourself this is the way it comes with a real sense of community you know like i <laughs> i don't know how many times like me and my family have said this is the way since it became a thing like <laughs> we've used i have spoken but this is the way it's definitely the clear winner in my family like it's yeah. a mantra now it's a thing mm-hmm. yeah i i would say it's a it's a great line i i I love it. Let's just keep adopting it, Star Wars fans. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) So our next poll here was favorite character in The Mandalorian. And this is excluding Din Djarin because I feel like he would have been a clear and obvious choice. But we wanted to make it a bit more difficult. So the options are Cara Dune, Grief Karga, IG-11, and Quill. And the winner is Cara Dune. Surprise, surprise. I'm very happy about this. <laughs> because I agree. She's the best. What do you think, Brad? I, I completely agree. I, I would say I got to give credit where credit's due, though. You know, Kuil was fantastic. IG-11 was amazing. The journey that we saw him on going from self-destructing killer to nurse droid, I think, was an important journey. Grief Karga, especially. I loved his heel turn. Mm-hmm. And him becoming a good guy. I, I enjoy that because I really like Carl Weathers. And I didn't want him to be the nemesis for the entire show. So to have him now yeah. be a good guy is really exciting for me. But Cara Dune really just steals the cake on this one. Yeah. And just just the way she looks and her costume and her storyline. I just find her so fascinating. There's still so many aspects that are just mysterious about this character. I want supplementary material even. You know, where yeah. are my Mandalorian books? I need those. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Like if Del Rey is just going to hit us with a Cara Dune book, that would be freaking awesome. Please. Yes. Like and narrated by Gina Carano as well. For <gasps> audiobook. I, would, I would buy the shit out of that. But I really love this character so much. And the rebel symbol on her face when we first saw that and the Funko toy. And I love it. Freaked out. And now we're getting like everybody's getting tattoos on their face to, to mirror her. I think that just goes to show the cultural impact of Kara. She's a complete badass. Yeah, I've got my Kara Funko sitting here as we speak. In here. <laughs> I love it. She's right next to Mando for that Mandune energy. She's also right next to my Ray and Kylo Funko Pops. So we're really getting the Mandune and the Raylo vibes here on uh, Bounties and Blasters. Yeah, I mean, her impact, though, unparalleled. <laughs> I want to also see the the uh, the cosplay next year at a celebration for Cara Dune. Very oh my gosh, yes. There are going to be so many Mandalorians. It's going to be great. Oh, so good. Well, our next category here, I think this one is actually our closest one uh, so far. This is for favorite Baby Yoda Force moment in season one of The Mandalorian. The options were levitating the Mudhorn, repelling fire, and the fireside force heal. Oh my god, this one's a tie. Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> it is. It is a tie, actually. Holy crap. <laughs> so it's a split tie between Repelling Fire and Fireside Force Heal. Levitating the Mudhorn was was just behind. Oh my gosh. This is really one of those where it's like, there is no wrong choice. They're all amazing. And it's really just like up to personal opinion of like what hit you the hardest. And I know that my personal favorite is levitating the mud horn because I think part of it was that it was the first time we saw Baby Yoda use force powers. So it was like such a stunning thing to see. And it was so moving too because like, Mando's on the brink of death. What's going to happen? Baby Yoda saves him and just saves him from such a huge, like, savage creature. It was just so emotional. I remember I cried. But, yeah, I, I'm i a personal fan, too, of, like, the uh, fire moment, too. That was a close second for me. Like, I almost picked that one because that was an amazing moment, too. Yeah. And the, the force heal was great as well. I mean, it's the first time we've really seen force healing in live action, you know, and ironically, that episode dropped right before Tross, and we mm-hmm. we predicted that there was a reason for that, and there we definitely did. was. <laughs> Hashtag, you heard it here first, folks. It's cool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, for me, fire. I, I would choose Fireside Force Heal. I think rewatching Chapter 2, especially today, knowing what he does later on, added so much more emotional weight to it. Mm-hmm. And just watching these, like, wide, this wide-eyed baby Yoda look at Mando as he's repairing his armor and he crawls out and he starts walking towards him. He's like reaching out because he knows that he can help this lost ranger, you know, who's hurting, not just like physically, but emotionally hurting. Mm-hmm. And it just, there's so much power to that moment. And to finally see him do it and Mando in his mind, the gears are turning saying, Oh, like that's, that's what was happening early on, you know? Yeah. So it's just so much more powerful now. And it makes me love both moments just incredibly i hold them close to my heart really yeah and it just goes to show the good naturedness of of baby yoda you know he he is what we need in star wars truly i think he's the one thing we can all unite around mm-hmm. and i i love him and i like that too the idea that he wasn't just physically healing grief but it, healing an emotional wound too because we know like grief said it that's the moment when he decided not to kill them that's when he decided to actually help them out and so i love that connection there so, uh, speaking of Baby Yoda, our next category is Best Baby Yoda Moment in The Mandalorian. There are so many good options to choose from. It was so hard when we were creating these to like narrow down the choices. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but here they are. So, first up, sip and bone broth, do the magic hand thing, chasing frogs, and piloting the razor crest. And the winner is... Sippin' bone broth. <laughs> mm-hmm. The newest meme. I think everybody, if you weren't a Star Wars fan, discovered Baby Yoda through this meme. Yeah, this is definitely the, the winner for me as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I Agreed. laughed so hard the first time I saw that scene. <laughs> it was such a good tension breaker. It was amazing. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I, I totally agree with you. And the way that so many people have, like, photoshopped different things into it with... yeah especially like the knife's out mug I've heard or I've seen people do that one that Marta's holding in the film and <laughs> that's like one of my favorite variations I would say honorable yeah. mention too is in chapter 6 when Zero is about to shoot at Baby Yoda and Baby Yoda holds his hand up then looks at his hand we didn't get that one in the poll but it's definitely an honorable mention as well oh my a goodness very, yeah very cute moment but 
just the fact that we have so many options just goes to show why Baby Yoda is just so, so incredibly cute. Exactly. Well, our next category here is Best Guest Appearance by an Actor in The Mandalorian. Our nominations were Jake Cannavale as Toro, Richard Iotti as Zero, Clancy Brown as Berg, and Bill Burr as Mayfield. And very decisively, Bill Burr steals the cake on this one. I would say definitely that is the winner. So Bill Burr, congratulations. You have won a very, very important award. So even if you're not getting nominated for any Golden Globes or Emmys or anything (laughs) like that, just remember if you're listening to this podcast, Bill Burr, that you got nominated on the Mando Globe Awards by yours truly. So congratulations. I would say this performance was great. I loved him referencing Gungans and, and... the way that he wove in like his kind of comedic side throughout his performance and also being like a very cold hearted person in some ways, I just think it was a very great, it was a very interesting character. And I, I loved the, them ex- kind of exploring some of the background with Mandalorian and their relationship. Yeah. And I loved that despite the fact that he was just a regular guy in so many ways, like he's not a, like a really colorful alien. He doesn't have a crazy costume, although he did have that amazing blaster that would like pop yeah. out of his back and shoot stuff. That's so cool. pretty awesome. <laughs> but other than that, he's just so normal looking in a way for someone in a galaxy far, far away. And yet he was so interesting to watch because you kind of never knew what he was going to do next. He was very unpredictable in a way. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I found him so interesting to watch in that episode. Yeah. Props to all these other guys on here, though. I mean, they had some great performances. Clancy Brown, especially taking those two droids and just throwing yes. them against each other and not looking at the explosion because cool guys don't look at explosions. They they walk away. Yep. So next up, we have best guest appearance by an actress in The Mandalorian. We have Natalia Tina, Ming-Na Wen. Amy Sedaris and Julia Jones. And the winner is Julia Jones as Omera in chapter four. Yes. Queen. <laughs> yeah, I gotta agree there. She was amazing. The moment when she's about to take off Mando's helmet. I was like, is this really happening? The energy yeah. here, the tension. Yep. <laughs> so good. The tension was real. And she was just so genuine that character was so genuine it was she's so like she's not this character who's going out and kicking butt although she kind of did she was the only one in the village that could chew but she i just loved i love seeing mothers in star wars because i feel like that's something we don't get to see enough and oftentimes they're either killed off or they're just not around much so it was great to get to see omera in that role it was just amazing Mm -hmm. i loved her I, I hope maybe we'll see more of her, you know, if Mando ever gets his happy ending and doesn't necessarily end up with Kara. I think him going back to that village would actually be a really happy ending for him. Mm-hmm, so I, I would love that if that's how the show ends, honestly. That, that would yeah. be fantastic. Him retiring the armor. Yeah, I think wherever he is, way. I just want him to be happy. Yeah, it, definitely. We need more happy endings in Star Wars, that's for sure. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, our next category here is a very coveted one. We're getting into the final three here. And we start with Best Director. So we had Dave Filoni, who directed Chapter 1 and Chapter 5. Deborah Chow, who directed Chapter 7 and Chapter 3. Rick Famuyiwa, who directed Chapters 2 and Chapter 6. And Taika Waititi, IG-11 himself, who directed Chapter 8. And the winner is Deborah Chow. Almost close right behind her was Taika Waititi. But Deborah Chow, once again, showing that she's the GOAT. And she is the future of Star Wars, truly. 
I'm so excited to get more of her in the Obi-Wan series. And I think what she did really well, I think she, she shows more than she tells. I think that's mm-hmm. one of her strengths for sure. There's not a lot of dialogue in that episode. It's mostly just Mandalorian going around using his arsenal uh, and, you know, emoting barely with, without even saying anything. And, it was just so good. And like the action and the quieter moments all mixed together. Deborah does a great, great job. And also being the first woman to ever direct anything in Star Wars and the first Asian American to direct anything in live action Star Wars. So that that's a pretty great honor there as well. Yeah. Chapter three is definitely now that I have the whole season and I can kind of go back and think about it. Chapter three is the clearly my favorite of the entire season. Like no question that episode still just blows my mind. It had me on the edge of my seat the entire time and I was so emotionally invested. I remember the pacing is just it's pretty much perfect. I mean, it's a perfect balance of the quiet moments of kind of conflict that Mando's having at leaving Baby Yoda behind balanced with the awesome action and kind of his desperate attempt to get Baby Yoda back. It was just, I loved that episode so much and she directed it just so well. I think it takes a lot to weave together the entire season in the chapter seven and take all the characters and have them finally interact with each other. That's not Mm -hmm. easy, you know? Yeah. And for her to direct it how she did, is a huge testament to what she can handle and I, I don't doubt her. I never doubted her, and I definitely don't doubt her now. So I'm I'm very nope. excited to see where her career gets gets taken off from this. So yeah. So we've got two final categories here, and I mean this is basically like our equivalent of best picture here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got our best episode from the first half of the season and best episode from the second half of the season. First up is of course the first half of the season. So our options here were chapter one, chapter two, the child, chapter three, the sin, and chapter four, sanctuary. And the winner is, I was just talking about it, chapter three, the sin. (laughs) It's so good. Deborah Chow strikes again. Yep. (laughs) Such a good episode. Why, Why did you love this episode, Madison? I think this is also my favorite. It was just that the relationship between Mando and Baby Yoda coming to a head in a way because we've seen him dealing with the conflict of like, I'm just going to I'm just going to turn in this bounty. That's what I'm going to do. No questions asked. But, you know, he's secretly feeling that conflict. Um, You know, in chapter two, you see him trying to distance himself from Baby Yoda because I think he's afraid he's going to get attached. And we see that come to a head in chapter three when he does leave Baby Yoda. But then he's like, I can't do it. I can't fly away. And it's just so powerful seeing him being willing to risk everything to go back for the child. Mm -hmm. That just gets me every single time. The stakes were so high in that episode. You really felt it. You know, your heart, your heart rate's quickening. You're, you're, you're sweating a little bit. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. It's such a great episode, but I, I could rewatch that one thousands and thousands of times. And I'm sweating sure even, a little bit, Brad. It's more like sweating a lot, <laughs> sweating a lot, like profusely sweating. Like, I have to change my shirt because I'm sweating. Um, yeah, great episode. I, I again, if we're getting some weird force stuff with her and Obi-Wan and even Ewan McGregor is helping to produce the show and she's got some great writers that I, I'm forgetting their names up top, but it's going to be a very, very, very good show. I think it's one of the things I'm most excited for right now in Star Wars. Yeah, I'm so ready. So our second category here is best second half episode, of, as we've said. So we got chapter five, The Gunslinger, chapter six, The Prisoner, chapter seven, The Reckoning, and chapter eight, Redemption. Very, very decisively here. The winner yeah. <laughs> is Chapter 8, Redemption. 
this is I mean understandable understandable completely <laughs> I mean again you talk about things coming to a head Madison this is it yeah finally everything comes together in this episode we get so many action sequences. We get more on the Mandalorians. We get more on Din Djarin's past. We get Kara Cynthia Dune of Alderaan. Hello. Give yep. me all of that. Like, give me more yep. of that. And just so much revealed and so much leaving leaving on the table, like Darksaber and Moff Gideon. And, he, you know, the fact that he is now such a such an intelligent villain, almost Thrawn-like in a way. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited to see where where we go from here. But... I think this was a great episode to end the season with. And it, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, you know, those smaller episodes walk so that these, these larger, bigger episodes can fly. And yep. that's, I think why you have quieter episodes throughout the season is because that these ones speak so much louder. Exactly. Yeah. So much payoff in this episode. So much, so many character arcs paying off. I mean, Everything was building to these moments, and it felt so satisfying. Yeah. Now, Madison, I got to ask you. We didn't. We can't put a poll of eight eight options on Twitter. What is your favorite episode of season one of The Mandalorian? Definitely chapter three, without mm-hmm. question. I just I love everything about that episode. I love the stakes of it. I love just being so focused on that singular relationship between Mando and Baby Yoda and also seeing all the other Mandalorians come through for him in the end was just so powerful. And I love it. The The action sequences were just incredible in that one, too. Seeing him go up against the stormtroopers and having that massive shootout in the middle of the street is just so good. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I I really, really want to choose chapter three, but I got to go with chapter eight. And it's not a competition. I still love all these episodes, but like for me, like I really love chapter eight just with how much happens. It's just so overwhelming mm-hmm. in a way, but also I love like IG 11 being this huge redemptive hero and like just the look on baby Yoda's face as he's flying along on the speeder bike, like that alone is just so <laughs> pure and seeing him finally get to use the force against the fire and hearing that yeah. theme, like that whole moment for me really makes the episode, I think for, in, in a lot of ways and it's just so it's so good we finally get to see Jin Jaren's beautiful face on Pedro Pascal most importantly yeah. and I, I love it it'll always be I think chapter three and chapter eight are always ones I will constantly rewatch and revisit mm-hmm. and I want to say honorable mention for me a lot of people might think this is strange but chapter two I don't know why but I love chapter two so much. I think it's because it's something that is so rare to see in Star Wars. It is such a quiet episode in a lot of ways. There is a lot that happens with like the Jawas and the Mudhorn. But there's something just so simple about seeing a man and a child in the desert just walking a lot of the time and just seeing <laughs> that tension and that interaction of like baby wants to connect, but Mando's right. having none of it. He's like, nope, I refuse to get attached to you. It's just so heartwarming. Like that scene where baby Yoda tries to heal him, seeing Mando go up against the Mudhorn was so powerful. It was it, that episode was so mythological too, in particular. Like, yeah, the wound. I love it so much. Yep. I, I, I love chapter two as well. I'm totally right there with you. I'd say my top three are, are chapter three, chapter eight, and chapter two. Yeah. So same. Chapter seven's right close by as well. I mean, this this whole season's just great. Honestly, like I, I'm so excited for for the future of this of the show. And 
that is it for the first annual Mando Globe Awards. We did it. We went through a couple categories. We got through it. What did you think? How did it go? I thought it went pretty well. I thought this was a pretty great, great voting uh, process that we had. Very democratic. Uh, yeah. Very, very fair voting process. We talked about the nominations and, and made sure that we were giving the appropriate people the nominations and appropriate categories. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this. And very interestingly, on a lot of the categories, there seemed to be a very like heavy general consensus. Like yeah. there were more often than not, it was a very clear and decisive victory. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm glad we did this. This was a lot of fun and I'm excited for next year when we can bring it back for the second annual uh, Mando Globe Awards. But until yeah. then, that, that wraps it up for this this year's awards season. Yeah. Next stop, the Oscars. Where's our invitation, yes. Academy? Give us, give me and Madison the invitation to go to the red carpet. I mean, obviously, we, we and, deserve it because we can host. Yeah, and please give Adam Driver all of the awards. <laughs> all of them. Agreed. Well, to wrap up the show here before we kick out, we are going to go through a couple of complicated confessions that we got. The first one is from Cheryl Bell. She didn't necessarily have a question, but she just wanted to say thank you. She says, I listen to your podcasts at work and I love them. Madison, you are like the same level imagery knowledge as Ryan Johnson, and I love your perspective, which are usually spot on. Hashtag complicated confessions. I oh, just felt nice. I just felt really unworthy when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's, that's, so that's nice really kind. I really appreciate it, but also I could not even like come close to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> like I could never. <laughs> hey, never say never. But this that, that was such a nice nice message from cheryl so cheryl thank yeah. you for being a, a a listener of the show and we're so happy that you you listen to the podcast and you love each episode so hopefully it gets you through your day we're very excited to continue this this series in the new year and um hope a lot of you stick around as well for season two now speaking of yes. season two we have another message from frankie at pop culture nerd and she says do you have anyone on your wish list who should join the mandalorian in season two character wise or actor wise hashtag complicated confessions so madison why don't you kick us off with that question gabriel luna as boba fett <laughs> i remember you bringing this up on chapter our chapter five recap and i'm a fan yep. he looks the part i love it yep that that's it that's what i want <laughs> my number one is bo katan hands down katie sackoff that's like my number one dream on the show right now i need it yeah that would be great yeah that's it for complicated confessions so thank you for submitting for submitting those on the show and we're hitting an hour 30 here so this has been a fantastic season one recap and i'm i'm super excited. yeah future of the mandalorian is very bright in my opinion and yes it definitely is i need season two right now i just can't wait another 10 months madison i can't do it i know I, what i have I'm, to do but i don't know if i have the strength to do it you do <laughs> <laughs> too soon yeah a little bit I'm, so sad <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I'm sorry no you're good well that is all though i mean we'll be back i think at some point we'll we'll have a couple of fun episodes dropping here and there throughout the year once we find it to to be appropriate or if we maybe come up with some certain topic that we want to discuss on bounties and blasters but that is it at least for now the foreseeable future and uh i'm i'm glad we did this i think it was necessary it gave me some closure on the first season of The Mandalorian, and I'm going to continue my rewatch. Are you doing a, a full rewatch at any point? I definitely am going to do that sometime in the upcoming months. I would definitely love to go back through this whole show again and just be able to watch it as a whole. I think it definitely changes your appreciation or outlook on the show when you do it as a, a single, you know, sitting binge and you yeah, can see it all come together. 
Yeah, so if you're wanting to listen to our regular shows, you can find me doing talking at doingtalking.com and you can also listen on Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube. My channel is Maddie Solo. And Doing Talking also has a Patreon. So if you head on over to patreon.com slash doing talking, you can find all kinds of cool extra content there. And Brad, if the listeners want to find more Friends of the Force content, where can they do that? Well, Madison, glad you asked. We can be found at Friends of Force on Twitter and Friends of the Force on Instagram. And you can find our links to our website there that include a list of all the guests that we've had on the show and all of our episodes. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash friends of the force, which include Aldrinian Rose, Cheryl, Michael Condon, Neil Lowry, Royal Farm Boy, and T as our loyal patrons. And we are also a part of the Star Wars Skate Pods Network, which aims at promoting positivity in the Star Wars fandom. So go check, go check them out. Go check the show out. Uh, most importantly, follow Madison and I on social media. Um, rate and review doing talking and friends of the forest. Give us those five star reviews. Let us know how we're doing. Definitely helps us out in the quest for podcast dominance. <laughs> Unlimited power. power. <laughs> <laughs> but that is it. And bounties and blasters again. We're not going anywhere. We'll be back. I'm so excited to continue the series with you, Madison. This is like one of my favorite parts of the week. So um, yes. to, to continue doing this in the new year at some point, at least for now, is, is very, very exciting. Yeah. And I feel like our now traditional closing of the show is even more validated because it won the <laughs> poll for the Mando Globes. So, Brad, I'm going to close this out by saying this is the way. This is the way. <laughs>